Good morning and welcome to the broadcast or podcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. As you can tell by my voice, I barely have one. So I'm going to take this broadcast low and slow. We're going to try to make it through this. And if you got your Bibles, go with me to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Before we get started today, I want to let you know we have a few announcements happening. We're going to be in uh, your neck of the woods, I'm fairly certain, at some point this year. If you go to BillVanderbush.com and go to the schedule page, you'll find all of the dates and places where we're going to be throughout the United States and other parts of the world uh, on that schedule page. We're always adding new dates, so check back every single week. Seems when people realize we're coming to their area, they say, hey, can we fill in on a Tuesday night at such and such a church? And so many nights, it's back-to-back meetings in different parts of your area. So, for example, we're going to be in uh, doing a series of meetings in the uh, Rochester, New York area, all the way down to Wysox, Pennsylvania. It's about a three-hour stretch. We're going to be in Wysox, Ithaca, and all around the Rochester area. So that's going to be coming up later on this month. Uh, we're also going to be down in Austin doing a series of meetings down there at different churches. We're going to be in uh, uh, the Northeast. We're going to be in the Midwest. Uh, we're going to be all over the place. So check our schedule page. See if we're going to be coming near you and come out and see us. Hopefully I'll have a voice when I get out there. Well, Lord, we thank you for this time today. And Father, I thank you for the gift of being able to preach your word. God, I thank you for the word made flesh and dwelt among us, the word that lives within us. Lord, as we step into a revelation of what it means to be in you, Father, I pray today that your word would come alive to us. Thanks, Jesus, for the grace that you have so freely given to us, for the healing that comes to our bodies, for the renewing that comes to our spirits, for the restoration that comes to to brokenness, broken places in our lives. You heal, you restore, you deliver, and you have never stopped and never will. So thanks, Jesus, for everything. Amen. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church in his letter to them. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. And the idea here is in your minds, you must become the same as Christ. doesn't mean that you become Christ, but in your mind, regard this union to have a transformational impact on the way you do life. You and I find union with Christ in our mind through a, a process. It may last your entire life where the mind of Christ becomes aligned with your thoughts. And it happens actually the other way around. Christ's thoughts don't change. Yours and mine do. We surrender our thought processes to his. Now, what this means is that when I read the scriptures, I don't come to the scriptures with an idea of the way things ought to be and then somehow try to make the scriptures twisted to my perspective. Now, I come to the scriptures with open hands and a pliable heart and a mind that needs to be renewed in order to see. And so I bring my own identities, 
the true and the false. I bring my own desires, the good and the bad. I bring my own habits, the productive and the unproductive. I bring my own perspectives on what's right and wrong, pure and sinful. I bring all of those things to the scriptures. And I let the scriptures shape and mold me. And this is where we find ourselves being teachable. Being able to be shaped by an external uh, source is so important. Otherwise, we end up becoming a God unto ourselves. And as the Bible says, you end up with a world where each person does what is right in his own eyes. If the Bible says something is wrong, then there's a reason for it. It's not just that God is trying to come along and just take away all of our fun. There's a purpose behind the words of the Lord. And there's a purpose behind what he says to do and not to do. There's a purpose and a, and a plan behind his direction in our lives. And when we submit to his purpose and plan, according to his word, we find ourselves uh, either one of two things. We find ourselves legalistically trying to apply those principles to everybody around us, which makes us the Pharisee and really hard to hang out with. Or we find ourselves personally surrendering, living out the reality of what we know that the Holy Spirit and the living word is telling us to do, uh, defined by and solidified by the written word. So there's the spirit and the word. The Bible says they agree. There's agreement there. And so when we come into agreement with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the word made flesh dwelling among us, now his Holy Spirit living within us, it's in that we find abundance of life. Now, many have taken this to mean that if I just find out what the scripture says in terms of rules, I'll make a checklist of all those things and I'll just do it. In other words, I'll live completely biblically. But you know, Jesus himself said the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You look for where the Holy Spirit is drawing you. What is the Holy Spirit telling you in your life you need to change or to lay down? And then he'll take you to places in his word because he's your teacher. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And the scriptures will become the catalyst for understanding why the Holy Spirit is guiding you into this particular area of truth. Say, well, I used to live this as a lifestyle or do this as a habit. And suddenly you feel the Holy Spirit say, this isn't productive for you. This doesn't serve you anymore. And then you, you ask yourself, well, why? Then you begin to study the scriptures with the Holy Spirit's help. And as the Holy Spirit guides you through the scriptures, you begin to understand why certain things are destructive for us or create hindrances to us to hear the scriptures or the word of God. I'll give you an example. Here's a simple example. And Jesus' very first miracle is turning water into wine. Uh, I don't think Jesus is against drinking wine. But Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And so he admonishes us that moderation rules here. Now, nobody knows specifically how to gauge moderation for every single person. Is it one glass of wine? Is it two glasses of wine? You know, some, some people might say, well, I'm Dutch, I can handle six. Well, okay, I'm not 100% sure that's true. But the reality is this, that 
if you overindulge in something that God's giving you the freedom to walk in, God may actually say, lay that down for a time. Why? Because right now, we can see what's going on inside of your body before you can. And so uh, he, he might say, you need to lay that down. And that's something that, that you don't need to touch for a while. And then you see in the scripture says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the spirit. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay, so so maybe I've been overindulging in something that I have the freedom to actually do. And so for this time, I'm going to lay that down. That would be following the leading of the spirit. Legalism would be you saying, well, because I've got to lay it down, that means everybody's got to lay it down. Or because it's a weakness for me, then I'm going to restrict it in everybody else, or I'm going to judge everybody else who feels the freedom to to uh, to do that. So you see what I'm saying? It's not a hard, fast rule that you can apply to every single person. Uh, and this is the way it is with the Holy Spirit. Life in the Holy Spirit is a really, really big deal. There was a time I felt like the Holy Spirit said, don't listen to music that doesn't glorify Jesus. I felt like everything I was supposed to be doing was supposed to be focused in on Jesus. So even worship music, it wasn't, it's like if it, it's not a Christ glorifying song, I just didn't listen to it for a time. So I wanted to, I didn't know why, I couldn't find really a scripture for this except for in Hebrews as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The way the Holy Spirit was applying that word to my life in that season was only listen to music that points you to Jesus. And I felt like the Lord was really adamant about this for me. That would have been legalism for me to say, well, nobody should listen to music that doesn't glorify Jesus. Everybody has to do what I'm doing. But I understood that this was a personal word specific to my life, my situation. And one day I'm driving down the road and I feel like the Lord says, yeah, you can listen to whatever you want now. It was really interesting. I mean, you know, within reason, you know. Um, in other words, I was I was now at a place where I can tell you what I learned in that season. I learned uh, about how others view Jesus, but I also learned to keep my focus, my gaze, my eyes on the Lord, on Jesus throughout the course of the day. And I learned what it meant to fix my eyes on him. I didn't tell anybody else around me that I was doing that. It was a personal word to me, it came to me early in the morning when I do my study. And as that word came to me, I, I began to recognize it was an invitation to see him more clearly. And it's really from that season, I would say, sprung forth the revelation, this, this idea that there's no distance and separation between us and God because of what Jesus has done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what this did for me is it actually created a portrait of Christ that became kind of like a mirror in which I could recognize my own true identity as I saw him more clearly. And you begin to realize that your destiny is to be united with Christ. Your destiny is to realize there is no distance or separation between you and God. And so one of the prayers that I've prayed is, Lord, show me every area of my life and my perspective where I carry some some element of a perspective, an idea, or a practice 
where there is a distance and separation between me and you in my mind, even if it doesn't exist in reality, but in my mind, where I shut off the clarity of the perspective of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Show me that. And that's what he's been faithful to do. That's a personal walk with the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say that Christ became like a mirror to me, you say, what do you mean? You see, you see what? You see Christ in you? Well, yeah, that's kind of the way it works. But you see yourself in Christ. And this is John 14, 20, where Jesus said, In that day you'll know I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. And we, Paul said in the Corinthians, beholding as in a mirror, we're transformed from glory to glory. You want to have the access to more peace and power in this life. It's to behold him. Behold him in a state of pliable teachableness and let yourself be transformed from glory to glory. Strength to strength and glory to glory. We're growing more glorious and even stronger. Not because God's growing more glorious, but we are in our awareness of who we truly are. So it's almost like you have to enter a complete state of what many of the mystics would call non-duality. In other words, there is no distance separation, meaning that there's a oneness between you and God. Now, the evangelical Christian world has a really difficult time with this because so much of Christian tradition is seeing our depravity and our sinfulness and our unholiness. And because of that, we can't ever possibly be united with a holy God. We have to eliminate a lot of scripture in order to come to that as a conclusion. It might be a step on your journey, but your destiny is to live a life of non-duality with God. That means that you recognize that the resurrected Christ, by the power of his Holy Spirit, has made you his home. Or as Bill Johnson says so beautifully, has taken up residence in you. You become the house in which God lives. Now the Bible says, and Paul said to the Corinthians, he says, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God and that God's Spirit dwells within you? Well, now that ought to give you an idea that you're more than just, just a summer home where we can get away for God, where he comes and communes with you when you come to church and sing your favorite song. Now you are the temple. You are a place of habitation where worship is a lifestyle. At the Last Supper, one of the disciples, Philip, he makes a really bold request of Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 8, he says, Show us the Father, and it will be enough. Now, he's saying, in effect, Hey, let us see God, and we won't complain about it anymore. Like, you're talking about God as your Father all the time, like, so show him to us. Like, we want to see him. <laughs> you stop and think about this. You know, one would hope that in in beholding God himself, you wouldn't really have anything to complain about, right? For in seeing God himself, there would be no lack. Nothing would be missing. All of your questions would be answered. Everything would be explained. The mysteries would be revealed. All would be complete. Our ultimate fulfillment would happen if we could just see God 
as people made in his image and likeness, we would suddenly realize the truth about everything. And Jesus responds and essentially says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Now, this is the difference between duality and non-duality. Distance and separation and union. Philip's bold request, show us the Father. He's sitting at dinner, by the way. Isn't that weird? You're just sitting around a table and, and Philip looks at Jesus and says, Hey, all right, you've been talking about him all this time. Let's show him to us. And Jesus says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus lets Philip know, without even realizing it, his request to see God has already been granted. And let that sink in for just half a second here. How often do we long for a revelation of God? A revelation of God beyond what we've already received. I think there's a beauty in a hunger and a desire for more. But in the scriptures, we see an invitation, a doorway to a relationship with God by the power of his Holy Spirit. Philip's request is dualistic. He's asking to see something he hasn't seen yet. At least he doesn't think he has. Show us the answer to the mystery. And Jesus responds in union terminology. And this is his perspective. Though he is with them, it is his very life that causes them to live in the first place. In him, they live and move and have their being. When we can't see beyond the limitations of our physical bodies, then we will always look for God outside of us. And when we can't find God on our dualistic terms, we might find ourselves disillusioned, disappointed, dejected, and walking away. James Fowler wrote an amazing book on, on stages of spirituality, spoke of stage two spirituality as this dualistic kind of thinking. Everything is very black and white, right and wrong. Justice rules over everything. And people who have that justice button are held in highest esteem because they are the judges of what is right and what is wrong and what should be done and what shouldn't be done and how everybody should and shouldn't act, meaning that they are the most mature among us from that perspective. But God is seen as distant and sometimes lofty, an old man in the sky, an anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic uh, uh, elderly grandfather with long white beard and sitting on a throne like a grandfather overseeing the affairs of man from a distance, uh, calling us to himself. But if we can run the gauntlet of getting away from our own sin and lusts by our own efforts, we can somehow maybe find ourselves closer to God. And that's what James Fowler called level two thinking. And there are six levels to it, uh, seven if you count the zero level. But eventually, once you get up to the five and the six range, what ends up happening is you start to lose the dualistic perspective and you start to see the presence of God literally permeating everything, that the love of God is all around you, that God by his very nature is love. 
And James Fowler says most people never actually make it to this stage, that most people live in stage two out of six, and and most actually ministers are required to learn and preach from a stage two perspective. Most people are evangelized, excuse me, evangelized into a stage two thinking and live from a stage two Christian life, trying to come up with a perfect formula for just about everything. And by the time you get to five and six, you begin to realize there is no distance and separation between you and God. And you begin to understand that God is other-centered, self-giving expression of love. Love looking for expression in in everything around you. That, that uh, light is just God's love expressed in photons. That uh, a whale is 50 tons of God's love swimming in the ocean, as Brian Zahn so beautifully said. That, uh, uh, that that every breath you take becomes uh, an infusion of the love of God with within you and around you. You become just aware of this this indwelling, surrounding presence of God. A picture of yourself standing on a beach, and you're ankle deep in the ocean. Now, are you in the ocean? Well, yes, yeah, you are. But. Can you go deeper? Yeah, yeah, you can. And I would say to much of the Christian world, my brothers and sisters, we have lived our lives barely dabbling our toes. Some haven't left the beach, just observing the ocean from a distance, uh, wondering what it's like while never experiencing it. There's entire, entire sections of the body of Christ that proudly label themselves as cessationists meaning that spiritual mystical experiences with God regarding things like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Spirit in our lives, ceased with the apostles. Entire massive millions of people have come to believe this because they haven't had an experience, have been told such an experience is not available, so they don't seek for the more of God, not from a dualistic perspective of wanting what you don't have, but from a uh, a perspective of uh, of this distance and separation to where it's unattainable. Hey, listen, the things of the spirit are not unattainable; they are inexhaustible. In other words, you might find yourself ankle deep. You turn around to everybody on the beach and go, "I'm in the ocean." You turn around to all your cessationist brothers and sisters who think about what it's like, have heard about what it's like, hypothesized like we do with stars off in distant galaxies. We know what they're all made of and all this. Listen, once you're standing in the ocean, you've suddenly made a step beyond just the hypothesis and the theory. You know something. You know how water feels. You know how it moves around you. You know what the sand is like under your feet as the water washes over them. Can you go deeper? Yes. And there's a lot of people who taste and see the Lord is good, call out to the rest of their, their friends on the beach and say, you guys should try this. You guys should step in here. The invitation is there. There's no barriers other than what's in us. We become our own barrier to a deeper walk with God. And there are those who will walk further out. And you know, even when you're all in, there is so 
much more to see. I mean, you could put a mask on, dip your head under the water, start snorkeling around and see an entirely new world. That's true. I was an underwater videographer in Maui a number of years ago. And every time I got below the surface and took a breath from that oxygen, that tank and swam around under there in a weightless environment, feeling like you're flying, things above or below you and around you, feeling the freedom of that movement, uh, just just absolutely in awe of the life that was happening just below the surface. I became so much more aware of the reality of the nature of the things of the spirit that there's so much happening below the surface that you can't see. And you know, the deeper you go, and this is an interesting thing, just about scuba diving, the deeper you go, the more air you take in to the point where by the time you hit about 40 feet down, you're taking in the equivalent of five lungfuls of air. And there's something about that, that you can carry more the deeper you go. And that's the thing with God. The deeper you allow him to take you into awareness of his presence, the more that you can carry. Every single person, even people standing on the shore, are capable of carrying the same amount. The only difference is where they'll allow themselves to go in God. Many people, tragically, are content to just observe or to live in proximity to an awareness of the reality of God believing that the only way that they'll be able to dive in and and go deep is is when they die but jesus proves to us that you can literally be in the very presence of god in the presence of god father son and holy spirit because remember colossians 2 9 and 10 said that in christ the fullness of the god had dwelt in a body philip looks across the table at father son and holy spirit embodied in christ and says, show us the Father. And don't we do the same thing today? Oh God, I wish I could get closer to you. Oh, it'd be great if I could see angels. Oh, it'd be good if I could have this spiritual experience. What we ought to ask the Lord is, Holy Spirit, would you draw me and give me the courage to take steps of faith to go deeper with you, to have every experience that you intend for me to have at the right moment that I'm supposed to have it so that I can begin to discover what is available for me because of you. And you know what? I think he is a good father. God is so good to us. And the goodness of God is expressed all around us. At the very love of God is permeating our entire structure. I know many of the parables, you look at the parables and you think to yourself, oh, the parables have so much to do with judgment. No, 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 stop and think about it. Luke 16, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Why did the rich man go to hell? It says nothing about that he rejected Jesus. It says nothing about his theology or his faith. For all we know, he had incredible, detailed, accurate theology. Now, the rich man finds himself in hell because he failed to love Lazarus. In the parable of the sheep and the goats, the sheep only make it in because of their love. The goats are rejected, not because they rejected uh, the sinner's prayer, not, not because they didn't attend church. No. The goats are rejected because they failed to love the poor 
the hurting, the outcast, the prisoner, the sick, the immigrant. The, the, the failure to love is the issue. And that's why I say if there's any question that God's going to ask us in eternity, it's this. Did you learn to love? 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who loves not knows not God. And perhaps the greatest hell that we could ever experience is when we have lost the capacity to love. You know, to learn to love begins with just letting the Lord love you. And that would be my invitation to you. Our step into the water, our step into the ocean, the presence of God is is giving him permission to love you. And that is considering yourself to be worthy of it. When we don't think that we're worthy of love, we spend our life punishing our very existence. And, and when we say, God, okay, I'm going to let you love me, we give him permission to step into us just as we desire to step into him. And so today, maybe that's you. Maybe you're saying, God, I give you permission to love me. I give you permission to step into my life just as I've been invited into yours. And maybe today that dualistic thinking starts to break apart a little bit. You start to begin to recognize Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the mystery of the gospel. And he's just waiting to reveal it to you. Well, coming to the end of my time today, I invite you to take some time beyond this podcast, this broadcast, to pray and to begin to seek the Lord open up the scriptures and let him begin to teach you even more and you can write to us at faith mountain ministries box 595 marshall minnesota 56258 or visit us online at billvanderbush.com vanderbushministries.com thank you so much for listening today so grateful for each and every one of you to support the broadcast if you like the message that we're putting out there and you want to continue to help us go to billvanderbush.com click the give button or go to vanderbushministries.com you can give there as well this is Bill Vanderbush from all of us here at Faith Mountain Ministries. Until next time, and I get my voice back, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.